Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. We've been covering the story of uh, the the fact that the Libyan foreign minister has been suspended. That was after her meeting with Israeli counterparts. Uh, we wanted to understand a little bit more about it. I'm a little perplexed trying to understand why Israel would have announced this information. Is it to score points or were they so secure in the fact that uh, this meeting went that well? Laser Berman is a diplomatic reporter for the Times of Israel. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm well. How are you? I'm well, thank you. It just seems to me to be a very odd choice to make this publicly known, given the fact that the repercussions back home in Libya for the foreign minister could be quite significant and clearly have been. I think you are correct. Uh, Israel's version is that both sides had agreed that this would go public this week. Um, Israel maintains that the story had begun to be leaked or was leaked and was making its rounds to Israeli media and was about to be published. So that's why they decided to go public uh, a few days earlier. But there was a, a, a fundamental agreement that this would be made public. That's Israel's version. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you've seen on the Libyan side, they seem to be uh, you know, surprised by it. They seem to be angered by it. I think it's pretty obvious that this was a sanctioned meeting by Prime Minister Debeba of Libya, um, and the reaction and all the denial since then and the fleeing of Foreign Minister Mangush is a reaction uh, to how the street has responded. Now, the big question is, okay, so uh, you know, why Israel couldn't see this ahead of time? They couldn't understand the politics at play here? I think some of it has to be uh, seen through the lens that we could... Uh, ministers in the government are jockeying for position within the party and they're, they're all trying to get headlines and they're sometimes leaking stories about each other. Um, and I think that that has to be seen as part of it. The foreign minister certainly has, you know, you can see that he's very eager to talk to the press. And, um, I think this was a chance for him to get himself a very positive headline. Obviously, uh, we can see now that that has not worked and the headlines have been anything mm. but positive. Mm. For them. So, but could it have been something you alluded to earlier is that the Libyans themselves called the reaction from their own people incorrectly? If that's the case, then it's hard to blame Israel, Israeli diplomacy on this leak, uh, if the Libyans themselves had erred in the, their judgment about, uh, on this reaction. Yeah, I, th- I think that's certainly plausible, and both of these things could have happened. They could mm. have you know, assumed that it would out eventually. Um, but let's, I just want to stress something about the reaction. I don't think it should be seen as entirely anti-Israel. I think the main thing that bothers Libyans right now uh, are domestic issues. The fact that they haven't had elections in a decade, that the Libyan dinar uh, was devalued, that, that in terms of basic services that you and I mm. expect, mm. not guaranteed there. So to have this government... Uh, be seen as doing something behind their backs, doing it quietly without public discussion, and is really something that is seen to uh, cement the place of this transitional government, um, I think that is is certainly part, if not most, of the reaction. So it's almost uh, just a way to be angry uh, at the government over all sorts of things, but here's just something to focus on, potentially, obviously. Yeah, I mean, knowing that the Palestinian issue is certainly something that's quite emotional mm, and poignant mm. in the world, when you add on top of that their daily struggles and their their political frustrations and you tie the two together, I think 
uh, we can understand the reaction. It's obviously difficult for Israel because in terms of uh, the political environment, because there might be a lot more information that they can't tell us. And, and in, in, in a statement I saw, I read this morning, it almost seemed that uh, Cohen was alluding to that, that there's many discussions happening and there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes and we don't just talk about these things. He almost was saying that, that there's a lot that I can't talk about. Uh, they are, to some extent, in an unenviable position. Sure, absolutely. I mean, we we, we can guess which which countries they're in touch with. Mm-hmm. Um, um, in sub-Saharan Africa, that that Israel is wor- some Muslim countries there too. That Israel is working to establish ties with uh, countries like the Seychelles. Um, there's other Arab countries, including, of course, Saudi Arabia. We know that there's long-standing deep contacts there. Um, Qatar. So, you know, Israel is in touch with most of the Arab world. Let's let's be honest, mm-hmm. and, and it does talk about them. This one is the strange one, and this is really is a bizarre episode. And 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 the question is, you know, why did he go ahead and say that? Now, I hope I am traveling to the, with uh, Foreign Minister Cohen to Bahrain next week, and hopefully, I'll have a chance. To oh, that'll be awesome. Yeah. Well, we're definitely going to follow up with you and uh, see what came out of that. Lazar Berman, diplomatic reporter for the Times of Israel, talking about the suspension of Libya's foreign minister after a meeting with her Israeli counterpart. It's 8.31. Good morning.